You are now listening to Memoirs of a Christian Minister with Cephas Crosslid. Hey everyone, it's been a little bit, a few weeks maybe or so, and I'm Cephas Crosslet. Welcome to Memoirs of a Christian Minister with Cephas Crosslet. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the other two episodes I gave out. Um, and if you didn't know, I have another show out, which you probably heard from to come here first, but it's called Manifest Christianity with Cephas Crosslet. Today, I want to just go over something that's kind of um, a staple in churches and just my kind of experience with it. And that is the good old church retreat. These are... um, retreats little breaks that you take um a retreat you know organizations companies you know big businesses that they, they take these um leaderships of organizations they go on retreats together to get away right to retreat from the places that their normal lives are to kind of focus more on what's really important about you know leadership and whatever their context and goals are for that so a church retreat is in similar sense for quote unquote your spiritual life to kind of take a break, you know, and uh, hit the reset button, get away from everyone. And oh God, I've been through so many of these retreats. It's just ridiculously crazy. First of all, um, let's just talk about these retreats. I, when I first went to one, I was about like, I think seven, eight, 18, 19 years old, 20 mate possibly. And every, every time I heard of my friends at church going to these retreats, they would come back and then they would start doing stuff at the church, like serving, like passing out the the offering basket or they started volunteering as like the praise team worship team members and and I was like whoa I don't want to do that like I don't want to go to a retreat and get all changed and start thinking that doing church work is important because I saw a lot of people doing that they would go and they would come back and they would do that and uh, I, I would always be kind of coerced by my parents oh Cephas, why don't you go to this retreat? Why don't you go to oh this the college young adult group? They're gonna have this winter retreat or this summer retreat. You can meet new friends, you know, you can pray out there. And I'm just like, yo, mom, I'm just trying to find some weed and some friends to hang out with a good drink. And I'm just trying to party, yo. Like, leave me the hell alone. I don't, I don't really care. Because to me, when I looked at it from my outs- as an outsider to a church, right? Outsider as in, you know, you go to church, but you're not really involved. So I look at it as, whoa, that is like, like an initiation, right? You know, like when you do the retreat, then you get real serious and then you start, you know, getting into the church life with people. But um, unlucky for me, I was young and I was 
dumb. And uh, yeah, I was always looking for girls. And guess what? This church that I was at, they had a few cute looking girls. And every time there's like a winter retreat, there's like a summer retreat, they'd be like, hey, Seafest, why don't you come with us? And I'm just like, these girls, they're, I was like, man, these girls are cute, but like they be into that God stuff. So I can't get too crazy with that because I don't want to be mingled and mixed up in that kind of world. And that was my thought process. And so I never went on the retreats uh, when I was in that kind of frame of mind, which was for a long time. Mind you, when I, when I was going to the, these churches, I was living it up, partying it up. I was loving life. There was like no reason for me to take a break from the life I was living. Think about it. Like I was partying, having fun, meeting new people, right? But something about those church girls, right? But really, you know, these church girls are just like every other girl out there. It's just they have a little more uh, helicopter parenting or upbringing where they have to be a little more conservative and they have certain thoughts about and reservations about a lot of things. And so for me, I was like somehow that was a that was kind of they kind of turned me on, you know, like the innocent looking girls. They're cute, but I kind of see like oh maybe maybe I can. See if there's a little bad side. You know, hey, these are the stupid things that young men think about in churches. Seriously. If you're a father to a daughter who's going to church in like a college age, I'm sorry, but these are the things you got to think about. And because you know it's true too. But that was the biggest reason why I went to a retreat. It was because of girls. And guess what happened? When I went to my first retreat, I believe it was like a winter retreat. And, you know, I was new to the city. I didn't have many friends. I had some friends. But, you know, my parents would always kind of badger me into, oh, you got to do more church stuff, go church stuff. And I was like, you know what? I got I got friends to hang out with. You know, I got this and that. I got work. And I had, so, I had some friends at the church who would, you know, party with me. So that was cool. But then they would also kind of, get into this and they kind of asked me hey see if it's you know think about this retreat you know you should check it out you know really and i'm just like are you kidding me i ain't going no damn retreat like coming back being all like mr monk or mr you know pope francis pope francis wasn't even alive back then but or he wasn't around as a pope back then but i ain't coming back and being all mr pope because of all that and it was like it took a while but for some reason i don't know what happened maybe i had nothing else going on um, my mom probably was, did said, I'll do something for you if you just go, you know, I promise you have a good time. And I just went, but really I went cause the girls, all right, all right. So I went cause the girls. It's interesting. So, so at that point when I went to the retreat, let's see, what, what was my life like? Yeah, I was smoking, I was drinking, I was having fun. Um, so... What what did I do? Did I think I I'm not sure what happened. But I went up there. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember what happened. What happens in these retreats, especially these Korean retreats, 
is um, there's a formula that happens on all most of these retreats, and it happens like this. You get into teams, right? They just split you into random teams because it's like an icebreaker, right? You, these retreats are meant to kind of bring people in, uh, attract people because, hey, we have activities that we do together, and we kind of go to places together and get to know each other. And these are put in the churches in place so that you can maintain membership, and as well as sometimes, you know, acquire membership through this. And they put us in the teams. And in the team, you got to, you're given like a big old poster board and markers. And each team, which would be probably made up of like five or six people each, you know, mixed girls and guys, uh, you would make a team name, make a sign together. You see, it's all teamwork. And you make a chant, maybe make a little skit. And then throughout the retreat, which is like three or five days or so, you would be always kind of coming together as a team for certain types of activities or like certain things. That's usually the format of these retreats. And so I was in that, I believe. I was also there with my friends. So I don't know. I'm not sure if we were smoking out there or if back then I was just so scared I didn't want to smoke. But I think my friend was smoking cigarettes at least, and I wasn't really because I didn't. I didn't really. I wasn't a cigarette guy, and I didn't like the smell. But you know, we were out there. Um, these retreats at these Korean Pentecostal church types of retreats, they get wild. Let me tell you. Look, look. Everything else, like during the daytime, it's normal, right? You do activities. You you do team building activities. You, you learn to know. You, you learn about each other in the team. You do games, you have lunch, you know, you have meals together. Um, and then, you know, throughout the day, you, you go with your team and you have these little Bible study moments or like quiet time, whatever you want to call it. You read the Bible together, a passage, you talk and discuss and you come back and there's like a, there's like a morning service. It's like, it's like at like seven or seven thirty or 8 a.m. There's like a service, right? So like think, no, actually before there's like 6 a.m. In Korean culture, it's what it's like Sebyokido is called like early morning prayer. And so we would wake up and we'd be like, what the F? Like, why are we waking up so early? And it'd be like 6 a.m. and we'd go in there and they would have the praise team just really loud with their music. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, it's so loud. Like, what, why are we doing this? And so we'd go there. We would have to sit there and listen to this pastor talking to us, like preaching to us at like 6 a.m. or something, like 7 a.m. And it's cold outside because we're up in the mountains and we didn't get a lot of sleep because we we're just kind of messing around in each other's cabins, like the boys at their cabins, girls at their cabins. And of course, you put a lot of boys together in their college age and even if they're bunked up, they're going to fool around and do a lot of fart, fart jokes or whatever. So stayed up all night. And this guy expects us to sit there, open our Bibles, open our eyes, listen to him speak, and then just really understand it. And at the end of all that, at the end of a morning sermon, right, there is prayer time. And during prayer time is just like any other Pentecostal prayer time. It, it's literally like yelling, 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 yelling. The hard part is they turn the lights off. And so the lights are on while this guy's preaching and now it's time to pray. 
and you turn the lights off, you turn some music on, some background music, and it's just yell. Everyone's yelling. Everyone's either speaking in tongues, quote unquote, right? Or they're praying really loud. And I'm just like, okay. And the thing is, like, I know this culture. I grew up in this culture. It's not weird to me. But here I am now, like a young adult, like in my 20s almost, I guess. Like, I think I was like 19 or 20 or something. And now I'm facing this on my own. I'm no longer with my parents. I'm no longer at the church during the worship and prayer service. And I'm just kind of walking around people, looking at people and, oh, they're loud. They're kind of, kind of creepy. Now I am involved and participating in that kind of prayer meeting, but out there in the mountains at a retreat, I'm not around people anymore. And so now I'm just like out there. And then I think I kind of like, I don't know if I broke down, but I think it was the first time I really kind of had a moment to like, okay, um, let's pray. Not the first time. I don't want to say it's my first time. I had many moments before that, but as a more of an adult, it was kind of like the first time that I really kind of, I took it serious to the point of peer pressure. Let me be honest with you. I saw that everyone, even my buddy was like praying. And everyone's getting a little passionate and serious. And I was like, okay, might as well do it. So I did it in that sense. And I think I, 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 was, I was praying about stuff. And, and guess what? When everyone else is praying really loud and getting emotional, and you look up and people are crying, you start to wonder, oh, that person's crying. That person's crying while they're praying. Man, they must be really praying. They must be really like asking God for forgiveness or something. Man, I got to do it too. This peer pressure stuff really works. And so there I am like kind of crying because I'm like, God, I'm sorry for doing this. And I'm just trying to pull out stuff to say I'm sorry for, for some weird reason. And there we are all crying and praying in the morning. And then the music slows down and fades away and then the pastor goes up and says wow that was a wonderful morning prayer wasn't it okay it's time for breakfast and we're gonna go up and then so they have a cafeteria usually at these retreat sites you go up there and it's like a buffet style you go up there in a line and you put breakfast you sit down and you eat and you hang out with your friends you make jokes whatever and then it's cold outside and after that it's activity time and so you would go with your group and either play some games do some fun stuff and then it's time for like quiet time you go to like a corner of the of the campus and you read the bible together and it's like you get to know each other ask weird deep questions about faith and then there is um like a a midday kind of lunch and a little a little semi prayer thing going on i'm just like man how many services are we gonna have every single day and it turns out that we had I think three services every day, morning, noon, night service. And each of those services, you got to pray loud. Now, listen, after that first morning morning service, praying loud at the lunch service, I was like, you got to listen to another long ass sermon. And you got to go through another kind of, oh, you're going to turn the lights off again now. Okay, you're going to turn the music on now. Everyone's going to yell and cry and and at that point, I was like, okay, I'm getting the kind of hang of it, peer pressure. Everyone's doing it. Let me do it again. And let me do it again. And so every time it happened again and again. 
go out and eat some lunch. Um, and now it's nighttime. And, and, and it's at this point, right? The nighttime service, right? This is the point where now I'm like checking out the girls. And I actually see, see, I didn't go there to necessarily flirt. Listen, I went to the retreat. I feel with genuine intent. Yes, in the back of it, it was the motivation was the girls. But the genuine intent was there of, you know, I'm going to try it out. I want to go out there and really get in touch with, I guess, my faith somehow. I don't know. Maybe I'll try it out, see what happens. And so I was really out there, you know, doing my thing. But, you know, night service. Everyone's kind of getting dressed up. You know, after all the activities in the first day, you know, you, night service, you dress a little differently. You, you were sweating your clothes, so you put on your, your night service clothes. It's not nice, you know, it's just, but it's just comfortable, casual wear. But, man, you see those girls coming down, you're like, oh, they're in something different. And it's funny when you're young and stupid and college age and you're in these little Korean churches that are kind of like almost, almost like family. Everyone kind of knows each other. It's like the weird thing to do, you know, you're young. And so you're like, oh, you don't want to look at the girl, but the girl looks back at you. And then you don't want to look. And then so you look at the girl and the girl, I, maybe the girl likes you. And you, and you know, it's this whole kind of tag game. And then the way, the places you sit, you, you wonder where to sit. You're like, oh man, I want to sit right here so I can keep an eye on her. So I always tried to sit in the back, right? In the back row. And it, it was, it was fun. When I think about it, being young in church. And just being, you know, having friends, it's fun. It's just so fun. Um, the thing is, these girls that I thought were cute, they were like all in the praise team, right? And I was like, oh gosh, like at that point, I, I, I was like, you know what? I guess I'm not there to go out with these girls because I would not, I wouldn't know how to act with, with a girl like that at that point if I was going out. So I'd be like, man, I'm. I'm a little too raw for some people like that. But at the same time, I couldn't help it. They were cute and I couldn't keep my eyes off of them. And so like, it's funny, the whole freaking service time, like it didn't matter what the pastor said or preached. I was just fixated on these girls. It's like, oh man, I wonder what they, I wonder if they're listening to the sermons. Like, I wonder, you know, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll be like, oh man, that girl's cute. I'd be like fixated and I don't have a doubt in my head, that any given Sunday or whatever week, midweek meeting a church has, any youth group, right? High school age group, and any college age group at that church, these things are normal. And it's hard to pay attention, it's hard to focus at church because your hormones are just going crazy. And so, like, that's how I was, I was just like, oh, man, I'm just living life, having fun. And, and that's how church retreats are. And that's how the first church retreat that I went to was. It was, it was interesting. I, I did not expect to get anything out of it, but I actually did, which kind of led me into more retreats down the line and even more. And then eventually I became a licensed minister at the church. So I kind of really bought into it. I fell for that big time. I fell for it. It was like a retreat. It was the system, right? They had that put in place. They had these activities and they just knew whoever came to bite, they were going to get involved with the church because 
People need community. People need relationships. And they would do anything to have that. And I was almost, it, it was almost as if at that point I was like an immigrant. Because, yeah, I, I was born in the same city, but it's like I, I, I moved away and I came back out of nowhere and I didn't know anyone. I didn't have any friends. If you know, ooh, that's a good topic for the next one. Oh my god! I'm I'm gonna see. Like next time, I'm gonna talk about the immigrant stuff in church. But look, I felt like an immigrant at the church. Like I didn't know anyone, and so for me, it's like, what 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 does it hurt that I do this? Like, yeah, I have my friends at work, school, and stuff that I go to, and they're cool. You know, we party a lot, but they're not like these people. They're not. They're not religious, right? This is my this is my religion. I grew up with this. And so even with that, I had a huge affinity to this church group that I went to the retreat with because of that. It's like it, it, it hit a different spot. And it was in this first retreat that I went to that I really kind of was open to singing out loud, which is weird. And what, what happened was I would always sit in the back as usual. Like that was the second day and I would sit in the back in the morning prayer, the, the, the midday prayer and the night service, right? Morning service, midday service and night service. And I'd sit in the back and I would sit next to back, in the back next to this one dude. And I didn't really know him that well. And, you know, we didn't really talk to each other or anything, but we just kind of, we were both definitely like kind of outsiders. We definitely knew like, oh, okay, this is kind of our first retreat that we did. But the difference was this guy next to me, he kind of helped out with the praise team every once in a while. So he kind of sat in the back, but he was like, you know, I just helping out. But during the praise and worship time, this guy would sing really loud next to me. And that really did motivate me, encouraged me to also sing loud. And the thing was, stupid old me, I was always motivated, motivated, motivated by the dumbest things and of course it was motivated by girls and so here i am in the back of the service room this dude next to me is singing really loud and so they obviously other people in this service is no they they could hear this dude singing loud and i'm here kind of immature me i'm like all right this this kind of challenging me i don't know why it's challenging me, but i'm gonna sing loud too and so I start kind of singing louder and louder and louder. And I'm like, oh, this ain't too bad. It's like, oh, I, I notice a few notices my way. And, and I kind of notice other people's shoulders kind of relaxing. Like, oh, everyone, other people started. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is kind of growing. Like I could definitely notice a difference that other people are singing along in the same song. And then at that point, I'm like, oh, these girls, do these girls like that? And this is kind of what tripped my head about, oh, you know, the church, the church, uh, I want to say the church romantic life or what, the church singles and mingling life is a very interesting life. You know, the, the kind of old adage of like the guys carrying like five foldable chairs on each arm and that's how they flirt with the girls so that whole thing kind of started right there where i was like oh 
I might just, I might just, I'm not going to join the praising, but during the praise and worship time, I'm going to sing a little louder. Not like crazy, but they're going to hear my voice and maybe they'll be like, oh, Cephas, he's growing into the spiritual person. And yeah, and so I'm, that was my stupid thought. And so that was, that first retreat was the time that I kind of became open in the sense that I, I wasn't afraid to sing these church songs anymore because now I had a new motivation to sing the church songs, so that some of these new, these cute church girls can be can hopefully in the back of their head be like wow Cephas is is such a good person ah yeah let me and it's like oh gosh this is it was the dumbest thing ever because it never happened actually um it, it worked in the sense that yeah there was a lot of girls who did end up liking me at that church but i at the, at that point i was like you know i do not want to be with any of these girls because they're buying that crap they're they're eating that theology of and i couldn't be with that so but these retreats are are definitely something if you've ever been to a retreat right at your church and you're listening to this and you're like oh mine is a little different please email me uh, give me some feedback, questions, comments. I want to hear your experiences. And you could email me at memoirsofachristianminister at gmail.com, all right? Um, retreats. Eventually came to the time where I became the licensed minister. I became a pastor, an assistant pastor. And I would have to uh, lead these retreats. And... That was something like I would have to set these up. I became the sound and, you know, AV guy. So I would go up to these retreat sites by my, me and like another guy or two guys. We would go up there and just kind of set up the stuff, like set up the speakers for the service, the podium, all the, all the sound equipment, the mixer, set it up right, you know, make sure all these things. At that point, you are, I am the leader and I am starting to make the decisions and starting to direct people around. Mind you, I'm still dumb little horny guy, but I'm just now, I have a title. Which you should really keep that in mind. I always keep that in mind. Like even when I was like, like in my, like I was no longer like definitely no longer like a rookie in this game, right? Even at that point, I was single and I was still, you know, one of the biggest motivations for me to be at the church was the girls, unfortunately. And and I believe truly that this is true for I want to say every every single guy out there that's a pastor. I don't want to. I don't see. I, I've I've actually met a few people who are like, no, you know, I'm not like that. And I'm just like in the back of my mind, I'm like, shut up, you know, you're all like that. On a side note, like if you ever meet a single pastor guy, right, and they're like a director, they're a leader of a church, yo, that that dude is struggling. If that person ain't married, that dude is struggling. Y'all pray for that person. They they are lying if they say they're, they're immune to that. Shoot, they're the ones struggling even more. They're the ones that you're probably going to, you would trip if you ever found out about who these people were. And the reason I say that is because I'm a weirdo too. And, and I was a leader too. And I had these weird things, you know. I I had some weird experiences at the retreats. This 
pastor that was over me once. It was like we set up the retreat for these youth kids. And then this pastor, he was just weird. Like during the middle of a worship time, right? The singing time. He goes, what's going on? I'm like, oh my, I'm like standing next to him. He's like, what's going Are you stupid? I'm like, excuse me? He's like, like in the middle of singing, right? And people could hear this guy like saying, are you? And I'm like, what the heck, dude? Get off me. He's getting mad at me. There's no banner on the stage. And I'm like, what the F, dude? You're getting all worked up kind of interrupting this time of worship and praise and connecting with everyone's kind of looking at that point and he marches up on the stage and he gets a banner that says oh this church denomination winter retreat and he puts it up on the stage and he comes back down you forgot to put this the sign up that's a simple basic thing and i'm like okay this guy is nuts this guy is off his rocker and it was at that point where I realized that this first kind of church gig that I had was not necessarily a normal gig. And this first gig, this first church that I was really at as a leader, it was it was very much it was very much a cultish type of format that they were leading. Um yeah, it was one of the weirdest things where it's like this person just literally is like bipolar, like snapped at me for every little small thing. And I'm like, this is not the way to do it. And, and stupid me, I stayed because I just something about me. I'm just very loyal to people and stuff. And at that point, I was stupid. I was young. I was naive. But I had a lot of re uh, experiences at retreats that were like that, where I was definitely kind of abused like verbally just for like not doing something right and i'm like what the heck is that about you know like if you're if you're a pastor if you're a minister you've been working at a church and and you had that happen to you man my heart goes out to you that's some effed up stuff it's like when when a supervising pastor talks down to their to their staff it's ridiculous, and that, I had that. I, I got, I had that the whole time. It, it was, it was, the darkest times of my life, really at that point. And it was no wonder that even at that point, you know, I was smoking weed. Yeah, even as I was a leader at that church, like I really never had a problem with that, with smoking weed and and being a leader at church. I know people have a problem with that. And so I would never disclose it. I never told people I did it, but I think it's normal. I think a lot of, I, I've said this before many times. I believe just about every pastor out there should be smoking weed because there's so much stress in their life over weird things that have to do with church and spirituality. If you ever met these people outside of a church context, you'd be like, dude, like you need to chill out. You need to take a break because your family is suffering because you are not calming down and you're not relaxing. And so even back then, I, I was I was smoking weed. And it was funny because one of these retreats, I would go, I went up with my buddy and I smoked weed out there with him. 
<laughs> so once once one retreat, one winter retreat, I went up there with my buddy and and I brought out some some fire. Um and the funny thing is the the it was crazy because at that point I wasn't really a leader leader. Like I wasn't a pastor. I think it was like the next winter retreat after my first one, at that point, I became the kind of sound mixer guy. And at that, and you know, you're the sound mixer guy, so you're kind of like a, a volunteer help. But at the same time, people who are not the, you know, part of the church, but they're kind of regular members, they see you as, oh, wow, this person has a responsibility. Oh, he has a role. Oh, he must be kind of like, kind of holy, I guess. And so I, that was my role. And when I was that role of a mixer or whatever, I took some weed up there with me and my buddy knew. Oh man, we can start talking about weed and the retreat. Let's take a break and we'll come back with the rest of this story. So we were bringing weed. I was smoking weed at the retreat. But the, the interesting situation was that there was another guy who came up with us to the retreat who everyone knew that this person was like dealing with, he was dealing with drug issues like and drinking problems and so smoking and whatever and so everyone's thoughts and eyes were on this other dude who was clearly like he he was he clearly he had cigarettes on him he had weed on him and he was just like whatever he didn't care that it stunk up or it see me and my buddy we would go kind of far away from the church right or from the service room like, let's say, so like, okay, the second time I did the retreat, at that point, I became this leader guy doing the mixer and helping out with the worship team. And that's what they knew me as. I was the music dude. So I would set up. I went up there. I set up for the first night. And then, you know, my me and my buddy were out there. I think he came up with me. And then he was, he was just want to hang out and have fun. So we set up all the sound stuff. And then, you know, I don't know if we did, but every time we smoked, it was, I made it out of a little aluminum foil and pen, right? It's the worst. <laughs> so you take aluminum foil. I had a whole sheet of aluminum. And you just rip a little piece off. You roll up in a pen, you create a little bowl, you kind of mold it into a shape of a little mouthpiece and you bend it at a corner. You make it a little elbow 90 degree. You put, you know, pull, pull out, you know, rip off a few pieces of, of, uh, we put it in there and then, um, the thing is, we didn't want it to smell, right? We didn't want the smoke to to go lift up. So we would take a hit, right? We didn't want to kill the weed, too. We didn't have too much. It had to last. So we take a hit. You know, we light the lighter. We let it just kind of singe the weed. And we, you know, we just take as much of the smoke as we can because we had to conserve. And we just hold it in. And we ghost that hit, right? The thing is, I came prepared. If you don't remember, there used to be these things called Listerine, um, you know, strips where they dissolve in your mouth. And I had a whole bunch of those. So I would take like, I would ghost two hits and my buddy would ghost two hits. And we take the Listerine, we'd wait. We'd like, as we walk in, as we we're kind of like outside still, we're, we were early, right? But we were just kind of away from everyone. We would like take deep breaths, making sure like, you know, all that weed smell <laughs> somehow get out and then... And then we would, we would enjoy that retreat. It, it was, it was so, it was such a interesting retreat. Um, I don't remember much about that, except like we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. And the thing is like, 
for the last, like for the night services, I remember my buddy, he finally kind of like broke and he was like, hey, look, dude, I feel kind of bad. We shouldn't do this. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. You're right. Let's not do it. And and as he was walking away, I was like, man, I'm just taking, I'm just going to take a hit. I just took another hit. He's like, man, forget that. Let me take it. And so we took it. And the thing is, we went back, you know, and I feel like we weren't high, right? If you ever smoked weed, we didn't smoke a whole bunch, but we just took like enough, like a small bit. It's like a microdose almost. And it was just kind of a head change. So we're yawning, of course. But the interesting the interesting thing is nobody even had a suspicion of us to do anything like that. Because this other dude was there and he was like the druggie. And this guy was something else. Like he just, he smelled of smoke. Like for us, we made sure like we didn't do anything. We made sure like we blew away from us. Like the the smoke would go away and not to our jacket. So we stunk. You know, we made all the precautions. But this dude, he comes in and you could smell him. We're just like, oh gosh. And this is stupid because he's like, he, he would kind of like walk really fast around people, right? As if, oh, if he walks fast, we wouldn't be able to smell him. Clearly, he walked past you. Could smell smoke. You're like, this guy's an idiot. This guy's a fucking. Idiot. But um, yeah, it, it was it was fun. Uh, those retreats. Um, that one was fun. I I think. I believe. The retreats that I did. Like I think I think, yeah, it it was. I want to say that, yeah, I think that was the only retreat that I actually smoked weed, I want to say. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I know there was actually like a long streak after that, that every retreat I went to, like I I, I didn't. Because at the, first of all, it's like, man, I don't want to hate going through that paranoid stuff every time. At the same time, it's like, okay, it's it's a church thing, so I guess I can take a break. But that was fun. Retreats are crazy. Retreats are when um, relationships are made, and it's just fun just to watch them, you know, get made. And you're just like, ah, and then you see the person who's jealous. There was a guy, there was a guy who really liked this one girl. But the one girl that wasn't going to give him the time of day because she was literally like two years older than this guy. But this guy is just this weird, goofy dude. And the joke was like that, that guy just kept on hitting on this girl and this girl's like not giving him the time of day. And then eventually uh, the, you know, after the, the retreat and, you know, and, you know, the next retreat would come around and then now the girl is kind of, interested in this other guy and so the same guy kind of goes up to the girl but then obviously she doesn't like him still but now she's she's kind of showing interest in the other guy and those are the always the fun things where you you watch these things and you're just making fun of the dude because dude cannot bag this girl no matter how much he wants her and you could tell he's so jealous it's the funniest things to see. It's like these losers and these retreats. And it's like you're away from everyone else. And it just makes it that much better. Retreats are so fun. Um, 
you get a retreat shirt at the end, you know, you, you everyone wears a shirt and you take a big old group photo together, right? And those are church retreats. These are uh these are things, uh, these are activities that the church has to kind of help people get to know each other more, get more plugged into the church community and really just kind of uh, take a retreat and meet God, you know, away from the city and all that. Unfortunately, I was with the Pentecostal church and it didn't really help that every time I wanted to connect with God is like five people around me yelling. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. And the thing is, I think every time we all kind of did the prayer meeting, like I'm talking about we all as in people, everyone who went there, we all did the prayer meeting. Like, it was weird. Because that kind of prayer style where everyone yells, that was all of our parents' style, right? And so here we are, the the kids of those parents, the parents are encouraging the kids to go up to the, to the retreat site with this pastor or whatever. And now we are also being kind of assimilated into the same kind of prayer form. And I always thought it was weird. I was like, wow, like they really pulled that on us. And till this day, till this day, I'm still wondering, do those people who quote unquote spoke in tongues really speak in tongues at those retreat sites? These retreats, they're great. And at the same time, they are just, they are just a roller coaster of just emotions and spiritual like craziness. People make dumb promises at these retreats, especially to God. Like, oh God, I will never do this and that. I was, when I go back to my regular life, I will always do this. And it's like, literally the moment you get back home, you're just back to your normal self. And I think that's a very normal thing with retreats and being a Christian. I don't think there's a problem with that at all. It's like, really? You think, <laughs> you think that 365 days a year and you take out like three to five days and you go out somewhere and you're just like, you literally spend those days every single time in those days to do some activity as a church group and you think that's going to change you? Sometimes it's really just two days, like two nights and you have like a, a service, a prayer service. You have an emotional service, right? And you really think it's going to change you? And like you have these conservative churches, you have these churches who like if you go to a retreat and then literally like the next week you're like, oh, I'm kind of struggling. People be like, man, you backslider. Oh, you're just, you're not strong enough. You're not praying enough. And you're just like, dude, y'all are weird AF. Like you really think a few days would impact and steer this whole ship I call life through the whole year from a few, like a two, three day retreat? Are you kidding me? Why, why would that even do anything like that? Who would be so weak-minded and weak-willed that 
three days out of a whole year would determine and lead the way that you live your life. It's like, like are you really that easily moldable and, and like gullible? Like you really buying that? And if you don't, you feel bad. Like I, I see these things happening to people. They feel bad because, oh, I went back to my normal self. And I'm like, no, don't feel bad. Like see how easy it was to go back to your normal self. It's not because you're bad. It's because these weird, out of these, out of this world ideal that going to a retreat for a few days is going to literally, is going to change you in the way you think. It's like, gosh, like, yeah, God can change things. Great. But let's not exaggerate it and be like, oh, let's just, uh, you know, no, no. It's okay if you don't change after retreat. Gosh. It makes it so off-putting. Like it puts a bad taste in your mouth when people act like that afterwards. And you're like, why even go to these retreats? Why don't we just call them what they really are? It's a vacation. It's not a retreat, you know? It's a vacation. You want to make it into a retreat? Let's just say it's church on it's church at vacation. Or something like that. But I think it's it's funny when that happens, you know? Retreats. Um, getting ready for these retreats are ridiculous. Like as a leader, you're you're like you're planning everything. You're planning the booklet. You know, when you go to a retreat, there's a booklet that you get, and like in the booklet, there's like the theme. There's like little rules. There's like little maps of the campus. There's devotional times for each day, like questions and and like you know conversation starters. You know, and and we got to put that book together put all the activities together we have to book the place right to have the retreat at we have to make sure everyone's schedule matches up if we have all the equipment to take there if we have all the uh, all the transportation the money there's so many things involved in getting a retreat together as i as i grew older and i moved out of that church and i kept on and, you know and i served the other churches i had other retreat moments which were which are really fun. One of my favorite retreats wasn't necessarily a retreat. It was kind of like a mission. It was a mission program, a service mission program. But it was almost like, it was literally, it was a retreat because we left our city and we went to some rural um, like town in the random state and really helped that community out by rebuilding helping them rebuild their decks and certain stairs and, you know, you know, helping, you know, senior citizens in the, in the community with different things around the town. And that was a great experience. I also had an experience where I had to bring together um, a Korean youth group with a non-Korean youth group and have a retreat together, which is a crazy dynamic. You're talking about affluent Asian kids at the same retreat site in the same retreat program and service with Latino, Filipino, African-American, white kids. It's crazy. And, and when I did that, it was, it was definitely one of the coolest retreats I ever did. But let me tell you, I don't ever want to do that again. Like those kids were getting so freaking like hormones built up. And I was like, 
oh my gosh. Like putting like kids together like that, man. I feel bad for the youth retreats that youth pastors have to do. Like you are out there with kids whose hormones are out of control. And so like every moment they're just checking out each other. The girls are checking out the guys. The guys are checking out the girls. They can't even focus. Like I can't even imagine doing a youth retreat these days. It's like, gosh, that's horrible. <laughs> but yeah, um, retreats are fun. I was so, I'm so happy I was able to talk about my retreat store with my buddy and how we were smoking weed. It's, it's one of the highlights of my life. It's like when I think about that. I have a lot more other stories about me and my buddy at church, like literally just smoking weed like all the time. This is my weed buddy. And we just, that's all we would do. But that was, I will save that for another podcast episode. And I think it'll be a fun one to talk about. So I got two episodes that I got some good topics about. So that's the retreat. That's my retreat story, kind of in a nutshell. I have more stories, but I just just not coming to my head. But yeah, retreat for me. It, it's it's just like a it, it'll it'll always be a staple part of uh, my my memories of of a Korean church. I am happy I went to these retreats. I'm happy I, I was part of these retreats. I feel these retreats, you know, there are a lot of, you know, during the prayer time, people are literally just kind of letting go of all of their tension and all their stress, you know, and just, it comes out in interesting, expressive ways physically. And on that topic, I, I, I'm not sure what to think about that. You know, do you, do these Korean churches go out to the retreats to yell it all out and then come back? And the reason why I say that is because I, I did a re I, the most recent retreat I did was for a youth retreat for one of my buddies. They needed me to speak for their youth retreat. And seriously, when I spoke to that youth, I literally, my messages were all about, Hey, when we pray, let's pray in silence. And in quietness. So maybe we can hear something. I literally preached that was the main message. And then the praise team leader, after I, I sit down, say, all right, let's pray to God. We're going to sing a song. They sing a song. And then, all right, let's pray to God. All right, I want you to raise your voice. And I'm like, oh my gosh. You got to stop. And I see that it's that whole culture of like, yeah, like yelling and kind of letting go of all that steam. And I see that, I see that happening in the youth group. Like these kids are like junior high, high school age. They don't need to, look, this is just the way I feel. Hey, there are many people who feel opposite of me and whatever, feel whatever you want and think whatever you want. I just don't think it's right to at a young age for these kids to have them frame their faith life in a way where summertime and wintertime they know there's kind of this time to go out away from the parents and just go crazy and 
during prayer time, it's a time to release. So we yell at everything because we can't do that at home or we can't do that at church or something. And there's something about that that kind of rubs me the wrong way. Kind of like, oh, you can't have this cathartic activity anywhere else, but you have to wait for these retreats. And what happens, I, I've seen it happen with like high school, like youth age kids, like high school age kids, like teenagers. They repress everything and they let it go at these retreats. They really do. There are a lot of teenagers out there who do that. It's kind of scary. And I don't know if churches understand that that's kind of what they're teaching these kids by having these types of understandings of why we do these things. And so there's also that side of all these retreats. It's just kind of the weird, what what it, what it has become, you know? Just kind of like a carbon copy of, of the adults in that congregation and how they do worship and prayer. And it's almost as if like these younger people, they don't get why. It's just, they just kind of copy and mimic them and just doing it, which becomes more of a, like an emotional release effect. And I don't think that's healthy for a spiritual life. I feel you should be able to train and, and do, take care of that not only when you go out to retreat, but be able to do that on a regular basis. But what do I know, right? Retreats are fun. Well, uh, there's nothing much else to talk about on the topic of retreats yet. Planning them are crazy. They are in itself crazy. If you are a guest speaker for retreats, you know, some people, that is their job. I've known of a few people who for years, that was their job. They would go to different retreats and speak to the, to the kids, speak a message, sleep over, you know, have fun with them. And that's their job. And they would come home. That would, and I'm like, wow, it's a whole industry of its own if you didn't know. Retreat circuit. The, the retreat circuit is a whole industry. If you have expertise in ministry and you know you like speaking, doing messages, that's definitely one way to get by. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, that was uh, a great time of talking about church retreats with y'all i hope you were entertained i hope you took something and i hope you were either amazed or kind of uh shocked but at the most part i hope you took something from this hey look if you ever run into a church that has a retreat i would go for it if you have the time and uh ability to i would go for it they're fun it's great experience. Look, you're not signing your life away. If you are, you definitely be careful. But for the most part, they're not like that. It's just I had a weird upbringing, I guess. I don't know. But some somehow I feel like a lot of people think the same way I feel. I think the same way I think. But yeah. Hey, try them out if you, if you haven't done it.
and message me, email me. Let me know if you've been to a retreat and how your retreats were. And also, please share this podcast with your friends. And my other podcast, Manifest Christianity with Cephas Crosslet. If you could share these podcasts on your social media and and have some sort of organic growth, that would be great. Uh, if you didn't know, I, I try to put sponsorships and little ads in my shows, but they, they're not clicking yet. So I just need more listeners. I need people to email me about how they feel about my shows, feedback, what my shows do for you. If they make you crawl into despair more, if they make you motivate or you're just kind of very entertained, uh, please share with me. For both of my shows, Manifest Christianity and also this show, Memoirs of a Christian Minister. I hope you are having a good time. Have a great rest of your day. It was great talking to you. Later.